This is the PKD Black Box, Episode 1. This episode of the PKD Black Box is brought to you by MyDigitalComics.com. At MyDigitalComics.com, you can download digital versions of comics such as PKD Media Presents Volume 1, Mercury and the Murder the Collected Edition, and Wasted Wonderland, along with an assortment of independent and up-and-coming publishers at reasonable prices. Your downloaded comics are non-DRM and transferable to any computer device you have handy. Look for more titles and publishers to arrive as time goes along. Prices start as low as 99 cents. That's MyDigitalComics.com. Welcome back to the PKD Black Box. I'm your host, Sean Pryor, a.k.a. Stan Leroy. I want to personally thank everybody who downloaded and listened to episode zero of the PKD Black Box. And I promise you, I'm going to do my best to make sure we can get these episodes out to you in a weekly manner, week in and week out. On today's episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about Batman, the Brave and the Bold animated series. In particular, I'm going to talk about the mayhem of the Music Meister episode. I'm also going to talk about the latest Blu-ray DVD release from Pixar Disney, Up. I'm going to talk a little bit about the Wanda Sykes show. And then after that, myself, along with my fellow co-host, John Carroll, we're going to talk about a little bit of talk about the TV rating system, some G.I. Joe talk from back in the day reminisce on some things that we you know used to do in our childhood and things of that nature going to make it a good show going to have a fun time so stick around i never thought i'd see the day where i'd be able to watch a cartoon where batman teams up with the bronze tiger ever batman the brave and the bold is a fantastic cartoon and it is a fantastic series from its modern day campiness to the team ups with second and third tier and sometimes even fourth tier dc superheroes it's just a fun ride from beginning to end most you know more than like you know, more than with the exception of a couple of two-parters they're normally one and done stories they're stories that are not dumbed down for kids and that way both children and adults can enjoy the story at the same time and adults get something out of it children get something out of it and it's just fun it's flat out fun i have been a tad behind on watching the series just due to staying busy all the time but i finally had an opportunity to watch the mayhem of the music meister musical episode me and musicals you know are 50 50 some i like uh, you know as uh, dreamworks dreamworks interpreta- interpretation of dream girls really enjoyed that chicago really enjoyed that you can't get me to watch mama mia i'm sorry that that shit is just never going to happen anyway i watched this episode mayhem of the music meister with uh, neil patrick harris aka nph as the music meister and i had my once again had my doubts episode was a blast flat out blast from beginning to end 22 minute episode with six musical numbers how they're able to fit six musical numbers including well one one's a reprise into a 22 minute episode is beyond me but they were able to do it and you not only you know try to you know not only do you find out what the music meister is trying to do is you know as all villains in the batman brave and the bowl universe try to do take over the world you also get a background of how he came to be and the supporting cast in the episode, you get Green Arrow, Black Canary. You also get Aquaman and a slew of villains and heroes during the number drives us bats um, in the episode, which is great. Also, there's a point where Black Canary and Batman are captured. And Black Canary, who is no longer under the Music Meister spell at this time, is singing while they're essentially trapped and they're, they're about to die. But Batman, as always, finds a way out. And he just stops and he's like, was the singing really necessary? Because Batman is always just serious and straight up. He's about business. And there's also a this strange love triangle, square, whatever, octagon shape, whatever shape you want to use in this episode where Black Canary has a thing for Batman. Green Arrow has a thing for Black Canary. Music Meister has a thing for Black Canary because Black Canary has this beautiful voice that can also more than likely help him achieve his goals of evil green arrow tries to get with black canary black canary's not hearing it you know even during the songs and all this other stuff and black canary has a line during one of the numbers where she says about batman if he could only love me like he loves fighting villains it's crazy <laughs> it's absolutely crazy 
but I love it. Great episode. In the end, you know the good guys when they always do. Batman just playing the straight guy through and through. Even he realizes that he has to sing a tune, but he does it using the bat auto-tuning amplifier. So even Batman's got auto-tune up in the hizzy. It just ain't T-Pain. Batman's got auto-tune as well. So fun episode all around. And even when Batman is once again about business and tells Black Canary thanks but no thanks, musical number starts up again, Green Arrow shows up, starts singing with Black Canary, and they eventually hook up. Really, really cool. A lot of fun. Great episode. Neil Patrick Harris killed it as the music meister. I can't stress that enough. He killed it. If you get a chance to watch it, I'm sure somebody's got to post it up on YouTube. I'm sure somebody has, somebody's got it somewhere. Watch it. Ton of fun great series i can't wait for the complete box set to come out possibly later on as uh, the pkd black box goes along we can do a recap of the entire season carl frederickson a retired balloon salesman is part rascal part dreamer who is ready for his last chance at high-flying excitement tying thousands of balloons to his house carl sets off to the lost world of his childhood dreams unbeknownst to carl russell an over-eager eight-year-old wilderness explorer who has never ventured beyond his backyard is in the wrong place at the wrong time. Carl's front porch! The world's most unlikely duo reach new heights and meet fantastic friends like Doug, a dog with a special collar that allows him to speak, and Kevin, a rare 13-foot-tall flightless bird. Stuck together in the wilds of the jungle, Carl realizes that sometimes life's biggest adventures aren't the ones you set out looking for. What I just read is the excerpt from the back of the latest release from Disney slash Pixar, up and now available on uh, Blu-ray and DVD. Uh, the copy I'm holding in my hand was a special that they had going on at Target, and I'm sure they had this going on in other retail stores during its uh, first week of release, where you could receive blue, the Blu-ray version, the DVD version, and a digital copy that works in either iTunes or uh, Windows Media Player for $19.99. I think the regular price might be $29.99 or $34.99 or something of that nature. But $19.99 for all those discs, great deal. Especially for those of us that may not have a Blu-ray player, Blu player in our house or just have a Blu-ray or just have a DVD. It's a win-win for everybody. Just note that you have to, on the digital version of the, on the digital version that goes with iTunes and Windows Media Player, Word on the street is, is that the confirmation code to activate the digital version has to be activated by May 11th, 2011. And if it takes you that long to convert it over to digital copy for uh, iTunes or Windows Media Player, you got a problem. Anyway, this movie is officially my number two movie of all time. Number one being Empire Strikes Back because I'm sorry, nothing can top that for me. This moved everything down, everything else down, and this is my number two movie of all time. It is captivating. It's fantastic. It's beautiful. It's the first film that has made me cry in a very long time. It's very heartfelt. The relationship that Carl and his wife Ellie have, they tell a story in the film where there is little to no dialogue, and they just tell this long, winding story within a span of a few minutes, which is absolutely beautiful and so well put together i wish more movies could do that be able to tell stories without constantly telling you and just showing you it's it's breathtaking and i've already overused that word already so i'm going to try to stop i also like the relationship that carl has with his house which not only serves as a flying vessel as he tries to get away from the big city and finally take that leap into adventure that he never took as a child but it also serves as a symbol of the relationship that Carl has with Ellie. It also serves as a piece of him that he can't let go of. When you watch the film, you'll understand why he can't let go of the house. And with any Pixar film, there's always a bunch of intriguing and fun characters, such as uh, Doug, the dog with the talking collar, who is a property of a... Um, I guess I don't want to call him a hunter, but he's an adventurer by the last name of Munts, who Carl used to adore over during his childhood in a funny opening segment of the film. What probably works best with Up is that it focuses on uh, very few characters. Up spends the majority of its time with Carl, Russell, 
the bird named Kevin, and Doug the Talking Dog. It allows more characters to show up later on in the movie, such as the evil Charles Muntz and uh, his slew of talking talking dogs and his hunt for uh, the bird Kevin. The focus itself never strays from the main characters. Even though some people might try to tell you that the film is trying to tell multiple stories, it's not really, because as the film progresses, it's really just trying to tell you the tale of a man, Carl, who never experienced what he wanted the most, and that is adventure, having his own adventure. And you'll you'll see that in the movie as a child. He always wanted to try to you know be adventurous and be that per, you know be that guy, but he wasn't that guy. Ellie was very adventurous uh, during her childhood, and, and then, like I said, I don't want to give anything away. You got to watch it. Um, but the film does build up Carl's backstory very heavily and startlingly very striking and compelling and soft uh, moments that when the film was being put together they really you know market marketing wise you didn't really hear much about that you know because the only thing you get when you watch the original trailer for up is that carl is just a mean old man but when you really watch the movie the film spends time with develop developing him into this not emotional mess of a dude, but just a man who is just emotionally just all these pieces and he's trying to piece himself back together so he can find out where he is. But the film itself is just strong in imagination. It's strong in adventure. It's strong in comedy. You need to watch it. You really do. I can't really give this film the props that it truly deserves because if i do i'm going to spoil so much of it doug just had me cracking up <laughs> had me cracking up so much it's a beautiful film it really is and people may not think that it's breakthrough or it's you know or anything like that no it's beautiful and i strongly suggest you watch it i really feel that i wasn't able to give you enough words to sh to prove to you why up to me is is as compelling as other Pixar films in the past. It's one of Pixar's best. It's been way better than Ratatouille. It's 10 times, 100 times better than Cars. It's up there with Wally. -E. It really is. I th actually, I think it's better than Wally. -E. To me, it's next to The Incredibles. It's the best movie Pixar has ever come out with. So if you get a chance and if you haven't watched it, go rent it and check it out. I think you'll dig it. Okay, this is what I'm going to say about the Wanda Sykes show. Love Wanda Sykes. I think she's hilarious. Fox, if you're going to give her a late night show on Saturdays, you, you, you got to give her some guests, okay? You got to give her some guests. I understand the whole thing with her telling jokes and monologues and stuff like that, like Jay Leno in the beginning of the show, making, you know, political jokes and all that stuff. No, it's cool. I understand it. I get it. But there are a couple funny parts within the show where Sykes uh, did a out of the studio sketch about buying environmentally sound sex toys and, you know, making uh, sex toys and stuff like that green, as it were. That was kind of funny. But after that segment, she does this Bill Maher type thing where she has a panel and the panel from the premiere episode consisted of uh, Mary Lynn uh, Rajskub from 24 uh, Daryl Chill Mitchell from the Fox television show Brothers and Amazing Race host uh, Phil Keegan. Now, two of those people from Fox, so pretty much they got them for free. Uh, the Amazing Race host, yeah, popular show, cool. But here's the deal. If you're going to do that type of thing, you got to bring some guests, especially when the same night the Wanda Sykes show premiered, SNL had Taylor Swift, if memory serves me correctly. So... I could watch Taylor Swift on SNL, and I'm sure the writers are going to be on point, especially with that whole Kanye incident and everything. Or I could watch this Wanda Sykes show where Fox didn't really bring enough to the table. And, you know, and and yes, Wanda's humor in spots was toned down, and eventually it will pick back, and it will, it will pick back up to the way Wanda normally does things. But if you're going to give her a show, you got to give her the crew and the actual, an actual guests to make it work. I'm not saying that you got to spend money like TBS is spending for... George Lopez's uh, late night show, Lopez, Lopez Tonight or Lopez Live. 
I'm not saying you got to spend that type of money, but you have to bring guests to the table to make the show better overall. I don't mind the out of studio sketches. You know, like I said, Wanda, Wanda Sykes is funny when you let her do her thing, but you got to let her do her thing because if you don't, this show is going to tank hard. It's a hundred times better than what they had on before, but it's still not enough. You got to let her do her thing. And if you're going to do these you know, segments with panels, panel of guests like, you know, like Bill Maher, Maher, Bill Maher, I cannot say Bill Maher. There we go. Like Bill Maher or um, Chelsea Handler. If you're going to do that, get her some guests. All right. I want this show to succeed. I want it to do well. Right now, it's not cutting it for me. I'm going to watch this. I'm going to watch the next, the second episode, probably to, you know, tomorrow I got on DVR somewhere and I'm hoping it's a lot better. But Wanda Sykes is talented. Wanda Sykes is funny. You knew that going into giving her a show. So let her be funny and give her what she needs to make the show successful. If not, it'll be off in four weeks. And for the rest of the show, uh, myself, along with uh, fellow uh, co-host John Carroll, we're just going to sit back and reminisce and talk about uh, the good old times and uh, talk about some G.I. Joe toys from our childhood and take you back to the arcade for a minute and, you know, just reminisce on all types of stuff. So enjoy the talk. I hope you enjoy it. Off the cuff, this is the part of the show where some weeks John and I just talk. And it's real comforting for me, and it gives me peace of mind sometimes when life gets real stressful. So I want you to enjoy it, and I hope you do. Do you watch Stargate? I have watched Stargate. You know what, man? I haven't watched Stargate probably uh, since its conception. Yeah. Well, the new one they got out, Stargate Universe, a.k.a. Stargate Voyager, (laughs) a.k.a. Stargate Battlestar Galactica. Oh, Oh, it's not as good, though. It's Stargate. Trust me, it's Voyager. It's like the bastard stepchild. Hmm. But uh, they had really gratuitous sex scene between two two soldiers, and male and female. I just want to make sure that that's out there. It's male and female, not male-male, because <laughs> it's between two soldiers. I wanted to get that clarification there. Uh, In a storage locker before they get the attack that leads to the usual crap of them being sent off to this weird side of the, you know, the galaxy. Mm-hmm. And somebody wrote in on tvsquad.com. They said, I was watching this with my 15-year-old, and it's completely gratuitous, didn't need to be there. I can't believe this. we're having to see the sex scene and all that. And my wife looked at me, and when she was reading the comments and said, okay, they're complaining about a sex scene where they didn't show anything other than basically obvious if you're watching two people go and edit, but no breast, nipple, nothing like that. Yet they don't complain a single bit about the people getting blown up, shot, destroyed, all the other stuff you gotta love it oh yeah well, but, but see but that's the way it's always been though man that's the way it's always it's been like that for a long time there's remember western culture the way it works is there's nothing wrong with violence but american culture let's be honest american culture not western culture okay all right no, no. you're gonna take western you gotta take europe in there and europe's like oh watch the violence we don't give a crap in the language but we don't give a crap about the sexual stuff uh, fair enough fair enough fair enough there's not and for american television there's nothing wrong with for for you know for its standards there's nothing wrong with violence but there's always going to be a problem with sex because it's difficult for some people to talk about that stuff and i think for me personally it should that's something that shouldn't be difficult to talk about you should be able to talk about anybody about sex period it this should not be that uneasy of a subject to talk to someone about i guess it should not be that difficult it should not be that difficult at all now stargate universe on uh is this a syndicated show or is this strictly on like say for instance sci-fi it's on sci-fi okay well here's the other thing though too it's on a cable network so if it's on a cable network you can have that type of sexual sexual tension and it'd be okay yeah it's on a cable network it's not on regular tv if it was on regular TV, I can understand why that why that person complained. But it's not. It's on you know it's on a, a upper echelon cable channel because you but can't. Not, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say, but it's nothing worse than anything you'd see on a Heroes. I mean, they were wearing about the same amount of clothing as on Heroes or on a daytime soap opera. Mm-hmm. It's I think it's just BS. Yeah. But yeah, you've got a point. I mean, it is on a ba- cable, a basic cable network, so you're gonna see a little bit more graphic sexuality oh yeah and it could have been worse it could have been on fx you still wouldn't have seen anything if it had been on uh hbo you would have seen them going at it 
Oh yeah. Well, well, it all depends. Like, because there's some FX shows where they take it, they take it to a pretty high level as far as like language and quote graphic nature goes, depending on the show per se. But yeah. But yeah, I, sometimes I just think sometimes we get a little bit too sensitive about that. Or better yet, there's nothing simpler than if you see something like this on TV and you got a problem with it, or or if you're that scared to talk to your kid about it you really need to get out of that and just explain, just say, look, this is what is going on here. I don't really think you're ready for this. Let me, let, let's pull back on this and let's, let's watch something else. See, I don't have a problem with that. If you can just sit down and explain to your kid what this is and just, and let it be and roll on and watch something else. If it bothers you that bad and just watch it by yourself and don't let your kid watch it. So it's just, it just, it, that always has kind of like gotten my goat. It's always yeah. gotten my goat. Hey, look at what whole the reason PG-13 came about was because the movie, uh, what was it, uh, Temple of Doom mm-hmm. came about because Temple of Doom got technically got a PG rating. And that created PG-13. But you look at some of the PG-13 stuff then that came out, you're like, when we were growing up, okay, PG-13, what was the first thing we thought of? Boobs. Boobs. <laughs> we're going to see a little bit of boobs. We're going to see about maybe a couple of boob shots. And that's about it. Because we ain't going to see the graphic stuff we'd see in an R movie. But, yeah, we're going to see. We, as soon as we saw it on a, something like a risky business, oh, PG-13, cool, we're going to see Rebecca Dormaney's breasts. We're going to see them. <laughs> or we're going to see are those class, or as they call them, the classic teenage sex comedies of the mid-'80s. It's like, we're going to see some boobs. Yeah, that was about it. Yeah. But nowadays, you don't even see that in a PG-13 rating. I mean, uh, was it the last Die Hard movie? because of the violence in it, because of the blown ups and everything at the end of the movie, he, they had to cut out the yippee Kaye motherfucker. They had to cut out the motherfucker so they could get a PG 13 rating. Yeah. Cause once again, there's nothing wrong with violence, but language is an issue. Yeah. Language is an issue. There is a movie about, oh, not about the FCC, but about the, um, what's the name of the board? The film board that like reviews movies and clarifies what rating it gets. MPAA. Thank you. The MPAA. There's a film, a, a documentary some guy made about the MPAA and who's a part of the MPAA and when why um and why these films get these ratings. It's it's actually pretty good. I haven't watched it in a while. Shoot, I'm trying to remember what the name of that movie is. Yeah. Uh, but uh, is it Clerks? When it eventually when it first came out, it got an NC17 rating for language. Admittedly, I can understand that because there's a hell of a lot of cussing, but is, does it, is there any violence? No. No. Even if you put in the original, the the original ending. Spoiler alert! In the original ending of uh, Clerks, didn't Don, wasn't Dante, Dante supposed to be shot? shot? Yeah. 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 They took that out. So, so yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, language, language, and sex. That's real sensitive stuff with people, man. I don't. I just don't understand. I don't understand why. It's easy for us to accept violence. And like, I have no, first off, let me say, I, I have no issue with violence. I was born, I was, I was raised in the, um, what I like to call the, the free, the, what I like to call the free animation period, where the soccer mom restrictions were lifted and cartoon characters could punch other cartoon characters. Like with G.I. Joe, G.I. Joe is a perfect example. Duke could punch Cobra Commander as many times as he wanted to. But if somebody got, if a plane got shot out of the sky, you see a parachute. Oh, yeah. On the Cobra Fang, you're like, where the hell did they put that? Where the hell did that come in? Yeah, oh, yeah. And, and, and where could they put a parachute in a trouble bubble? Yeah, or my favorite was on the uh, hang glider. I swear <laughs> to God, on the hang glider, I saw somebody <laughs> with a parachute. And I, remember, and I just remember watching it a couple years ago going, what? <laughs> you're wondering what the fang it's going okay when they're sitting in in the fang in the trouble bubble i mean half the time they're not even strapped in Mm -hmm. where today they'd be strapped in and you're like what oh yeah and it's so funny to watch those because they're on the motorcycles and everything not wearing helmets but if you watch a single kid show today the first thing all of a sudden magically everybody gets locked in with the seat belts and you're like where the hell do those come from Oh, oh yeah no doubt is that from the same place where the height where the people on Highlander hide their swords in those uh, cloaks? <laughs> it's like is it just some kind of magic third, uh, tesseract dimension? Uh, yeah, it, it's ridiculous, man. I just remember there's an episode of GI Joe where they shot at a his tank, and the his tank kind of like turned to the side, 
stopped. The Cobra, the, the Cobra Trooper was able to hop out the tank, run down the street, and then the tank exploded. <laughs> and that stuff used to crack me up to no end. I remember when uh, Joe first aired, it was like a, uh, like a five, five night event. And this was before, you know, you only had three networks back then. It was ABC. Yeah. yeah, it was like ABC, CBS, NBC, that's it. But you had a lot of local, local stations that ran their own programming. And yeah, we had two of them down here in Memphis, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess like, let's see, I guess that channel would now be a Fox affiliate now. But way back in the early 80s, they did their own thing and they got G.I. Joe. And oh, yeah. I, and I was so and Transformers excited. and Transformers was well, always right after it. Oh yeah. And now see now with us though, we didn't get Transformers until a little bit later and it premiered on that same affiliate on a Saturday morning at like eight o'clock. And we watched like those episodes on a weekly basis. But the Joe thing was like five straight nights. Yep. And that's how ours was. And I watched it with my dad and my dad because my dad was in the military. And when as soon as he saw the first parachute, I just I heard him I heard him under his breath. He's like, "Oh, this is some bullshit." <laughs> and I just like I like I covered my mouth. And I just started giggling because I didn't want I didn't want him to to you know hear me laughing at him. But we watched it. One thing that always cracked me up, and now they're really starting to make it definitive. But up until then, the first time I heard Destro, I thought Destro was a black dude. Yeah, so did I. Because you never saw, Look like... Look at his outfit. Look at that outfit. That is a pimp's <laughs> outfit. He's got the big old medallion. got the high collar. Yes. That's a 70s super fly pimp outfit. And you hear him talking, you're going... And then later, he's Scottish. What? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Because, see, I thought coming up, he was a South African arms dealer. From, from, from well, from my, from what my memory tells, from what my memory tells me, he was a South African arms dealer. And you never saw his chest... Because he had that V-neck in his outfit, but there was a shirt or, like, some mesh right yeah, the, there. The yellow shirt the yellow shirt with the big red medallion. Yeah. So, growing up, I always thought he was black. And I could have swore there was something in the Devil's Do comic book version of Joe that reiterated that fact. I have to find those issues again because I haven't read them in forever. You know, they're trying to say, okay, no, this is official. He's Scottish. This is a white dude. And that's it. And I'm like, you know, it's cool, whatever, whatever. It just makes me laugh because either this is a brother or this is Michael McDonald in an outfit. It's one of the two. <laughs> it's one of the two. Somebody tell me what in the world is going on. No, I th- I, yeah. I th- well, Devil's Do is also the ones who brought in his son I th- so and brought him in and put him as a Destro yeah. with the whole legacy and stuff. And, and it wasn't his son, Black? Yes. See, and it, and- and just and for and just for clarification for all y'all listening, Baroness was not the dad was not the mama. <laughs> to be honest, he had a way beforehand. Okay. Yeah. So the kid was black. So obviously it was. Uh, so when he was down in South Africa, dealing arms, he decided to uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it could I mean the kid kid was probably mixed, but yeah. oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah. See they ain't fooling me, man. They are not fooling me. I'm telling you. That's why it's so funny to read the IDW stuff, and they're deliberately giving him Scottish inflections. And they in the G.I. Joe Origins, he's not in the mask at all until like about the sixth or seventh issue. And it's just like going, oh my god, this is funny. Oh yeah. And also at the same time, there's only so many ways you can pitch somebody the same thing over and over again. So if you're going to change it, change it. You know, it, you know, it's not my call. I don't own the property. You can do whatever you want to do with it. And if for them to sell it that way, to have it somewhat coincide with the film, even though this the Joe books are separate from um from you know from movie continuity per se, still yeah. it's this is their new way to pitch it. This is how they're going to ship it to you because they've already you know all these other stories have already been told before. So how can we tell you the same thing again but tell it to you differently? You know what I mean? Yeah, I liked where DDP went with the GI Joe franchise because they were based, they were building it on the history of the Joe from the '80s comics, the stuff mm-hmm. that we that we read as a kid, and then the stuff that when Image reintroduced it back in the late '90s, and they had a continuing storyline of it. Yes, IDW did a good thing, and they's like, okay, we're going to completely reboot this because let's be honest, a lot of these characters are should be in their fifties. Yeah. Plus, they did something very controversial spoiler alert they killed off lady j 
in a very violent way. Now, was this in the DDP book? Yeah, it was in the DDP. It was early on. In, it was either early on in the DDP run or very late in the Image run. Okay. Because Image took it over, and then uh, they DDP bought the license. No, no, no. See, actually, no. It was like this. DDP always had the Joe had always had the Joe book. Image was just pu- was um publishing oh, okay. the book. So it's just sub publishing before mm-hmm. they went. Okay. That's one of the downsides. I mean, I don't have the history of comics as a lot of people do because mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't get into this. I didn't really get into it until about six or so years ago. I mean, I read them very sporadically as a young kid. When I was like around eight or nine, I mm-hmm. read some G.I. Joe and Transformers. Although I still remember one of the like the last G.I. Joe comic I read was the infamous one where basically they decided to kill off a whole bunch of characters at one time. A uh, Cobra guy decided, you know what, I think I'm just going to take these prisoners we've captured and I'm just going to machine gun them. That was the infam- that was the uh, issue where Dot got killed. That was the first Joe book because I was reading Joe from like issue one, past the silent issue, and because I still have my copy of the silent issue, it's all tattered up because I read it so many times, up until I'll probably say about and a few issues afterwards, and then I couldn't find it in my neighborhood for a while until we got a comic book shop. Sporadically, I would go to a couple of like Walden books scattered all over Middletown, Ohio, and there was one in a. Uh, or shopping center, and I walked in. I looked, you know, I looked. And I was trying to find the comic books. They had them on that metal, that metal spindle rack, and there was yep. that. There was a copy of that issue that you're talking about, and I hadn't read Joe in a while. I just started like peering through pages, and I saw the page where Doc got killed. Now, once again, I think I was channeling my dad because I was all the way in the back of Walden Books, and I know everybody up front heard me, and I saw this, and I threw the book on the ground. I was like, "Oh, this is some bullshit." <laughs> I, I, I turned up and I looked up and I'm like, oh, I'm in trouble because my mom was in the store. <laughs> she was in the store with me. So uh, they killed the other black Joe. Come on, mom. Because <laughs> there were like three at the time. Roadblock, Doc and Stalker. Such and fun times. That's what always a friend of mine who was, uh, well, he's what could be termed as a slightly black militant uh, who was in the military at the time said, you know, what, G.I. Joe cannot be anywhere near accurate. And I was like, why? I was like, because uh, the military they're showing is primarily white, <laughs> especially with all the enlisted men. It's like, no, this is the U.S. Army. The U.S. Army is not primarily white. It is black, very heavily, especially in the enlisted ranks. I don't know how we tailed from <laughs> from uh, from rating systems to his tanks to the death of Doc and G.I. Joe. But I... You, it was the whole thing about violence and all that, but oh no, good point, good point. Yeah. No, I, I found that movie though. That what movie, mo- the movie was oh, called the Mass Device. Uh, no, not the Mass Device. <laughs> no, actually, I'm going to buy that box set though, the uh, complete Joe box set. Yeah, that's supposed to be available through Amazon. But um, that movie about the MPAA is called uh, "This Film Is Not Yet Rated." Oh yeah, that yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I, that's why. I, Oh, I know some guys who hated Jack Valenti for years because he was in charge of that board, and it's like, okay, mm. yeah. Oh, you know when they had the toys out this past the uh, retro toys? Yeah, they had the mass device in a box set along with a uh, an episode of the mass device. So you had to buy five toys mm-hmm. to get the mass device and get the and you could get the uh, episodes. Yeah, and it had and it had the uh, and it had the, some of the Joes in it too, right? Yeah, it was a it was a retro toys. Oh, yeah. that's nice. See, that's nice. See, I don't nearly buy the toys like I used to. I mean, basically, as adults, we take we take some of our money and we try to go back and get the things we couldn't get as kids. Nope. And end up paying an, and God and end up paying how much for them? Jesus. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Now, see, I won't, that's the whole thing. I won't take it that far. Now, yeah. like when the 25th anniversary Joe set came out, the nice thing about it was, I mean, I liked a lot of those, and I wish they would have kept making them. Yeah, because I was able to get a few, and then they came out with those specialty sets like the mass device and stuff like that. And, the, and I'm like, well, these are really, really nice. Why can't they just keep making these? But with Hasbro, it conflicts with you know with the movie toys, and they're also putting out new figures through the movie toy line. The you know folks that weren't even the movie like Barbecue and and all these other ones. And I'm like, oh, oh. completely use that the most completely useless GI Joe character of all time. <laughs> and trust me, I had a barbecue. I liked barbecue, but he was useless. Oh. I'm the GI Joe firefighter <laughs> with a really? flame with with the with the flamethrower, no less, and an axe. And the most 
disgustingly stereotypical accent I could ever hear. Yeah, I agree with you on the uh, toys because, I mean, but the problem also is with that toy is that it's going to be aimed at adults and the adults aren't going to be buying it out of Target as big as we th- as we wanted. I mean, I wanted to, I was going to buy a Rattler and I was going to buy a uh, Tomahawk. I mean, the, the F-16, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, the F-14 and the, I was going to buy the uh, Dragonfly. I was going to wait till they those suckers hit clearance, though. I'll be honest. Oh, oh yeah. Well, you have to because you know they put all this stuff out so close to each other, and because of the pri- because of the pricing points, you can't. I'm sorry. I got bills to pay. I got bills to yeah. pay, and I got things I got to do. That you know that whole priority over this. So I'm, which is the, which, ladies and gentlemen that are listening, is PKD Media. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. PKDmedia.com. Please visit our website. We need the hits, yes. <laughs> but. You know, we, we, I just don't have time to like go and buy all that stuff. And with the 25th anniversary figures, even though they were charging $7.99, I'm like, okay, I can get one every now and then, but I can't grab five or six. They were $7.99? Jeez, they um, were like $4.99, $5.99 when I looked at them. No, they're, they're, they probably hit clearance by then. I know at, I'm sorry, they were $6.99. I apologize. Six, okay. They were $6.99. I'm at, yeah. the, at the Target. At, at the Target, um, in, in our neck of the woods, they were six ninety nine. At Toys R Us, I yeah. think they were seven ninety nine because things at Toys R Us were always a dollar higher than at Target. Yeah. The, now the vehicles were still relatively inexpensive. Like yeah. a Sky Shark was like fifteen bucks. Yeah, that wasn't bad at all. The, the, Which, admittedly, back when we were kids, they were like eight, yeah. seven or eight. Oh yeah, I had a Sky Shark as a kid. And, I love that thing. And and because of me being impatient, I put it together myself, and it's supposed to float in the bathtub. And every time I put it in the bathtub, it sank. Oh, I had no mine. Mine still sank. I had my mom put it together for me, and it still sank. <laughs> you could always tell the the kids who had a little money, the kids who had some money, and the kids whose parents had a lot of money to spend on them. They had a lot of money. What they had? They had they had the F fourteen. They mm-hmm. they had the. Uh, the one that everybody wanted to kill him over, the wonderful, wonderful uh, hovercraft. Oh yeah. Parent, yeah. If your parents had a little money to spend on, you had a good, had some money, not a lot, you would end up with a rattler, yeah. or you'd end up with a, uh, oh man, what's the other, or that hydrofoil. Oh yeah, I remember I loved, the hydrofoil. Yes, loved that thing. If they had hard, they had a, some money to spend on you, but not a lot, like just a little itty bitty bit. You ended up with the with a uh, Fang. Remember the little mini tank that had the little four guns on it and all that. Yeah, I remember that. And, and, and the Skyhawk. That's that's what you ended up with. Your parents, unfortunately, were like mine. They didn't have a lot. You ended up with the hang glider, <laughs> <laughs> or you ended up with the clearance Devant Mark One. There was like when, but I want. Okay, I'll take my trouble bubble and my Fang. See, I remember. I remember coming up as coming up as a kid. When your big gift is the Sky Shark. Yeah. At Christmas time, you're going, I ain't got no money. Yeah. I remember my dad, for my birthday, he bought me uh, the F-14 with Ace. Yeah. And he said, don't ask for nothing the rest of the year. Yeah, that's what they'd always... And, and, and when my dad said it, he meant it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. It took him three and a half hours to put that together. And two and a half of that were putting the stickers on. Exactly. It was ridiculous. Remember. I remember being my mom looking at me being so happy when they actually started putting the stickers already on there when they came from the factory on all that crap. And it was just like, she's like, you're going to enjoy this one. Why? It's like the stickers are already on. I was like, yes. Because you know, you can never get the stickers to be on there perfectly. They'd always be lopsided. And after about two days, they'd always be off. I, I remember the store called Quality Farm and Fleet. No. Okay. Quality Farm. Farmer's and- Markets. Basically, uh, no. It wasn't a. Well, it wasn't a farmers market per se. Imagine a Home Depot for farmers. A co-op. I'm sorry, like a co-op. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Yes. And because nobody paid attention to the fact that even though it was like a Home Depot for farmers, they had a toy section. So we went in there one day, and that's where I got my one of my first Joes, which was Snake Eyes. And <laughs> and it was a. I got Snake Eyes, and I got the um, the Joe the uh, Joe Battle Cannon. And I can't remember what it was called, but it was, was that the was that the one that had CoverGirl in it? No, no, no. My cannon did not have a did not have a Joe with it. I cannot remember the name of it for the for the life of me. Oh, oh wait, 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 this is the Toad Cannon. Yes, the Toad Cannon. Yes. Oh, okay, because oh, for some reason I was thinking of the one that had that sci-fi guy with the helmet for oh, a second. Oh no, 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 no! This was the cannon that you had to like, you know, connect to a vehicle and tow it along. So I got like those two things yeah. first, 
And then about a month later, my dad took me to a Montgomery Wards. I got Stalker and I got the uh, motorcycle with with the uh, Gatling gun on the side. The green one, just for clarification. Yeah, yes. I always wanted that one. I got, I had two of the uh, little crappy silver one with the uh, sidecar. And I remember, I remember for hours trying to make sure I could properly connect the tow cannon to the motorcycle and drag it along. And in my mind, I'm like, "There's no way a motorcycle is going to be able to tow this cannon. This is not working right. This is just not going to work." I don't know. Those things back then had a BMW engine in them, with the so they probably could tow that sucker. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Nah, nah. I'm not even going to make that lie. <laughs> I'm gonna, let's go ahead and yeah, let's stop yeah. that lie now. And they also had they were the place to go to get transformers when everybody else was sold out of transformers. They were the place to go if somebody's daughter wanted a Cabbage Patch doll and nobody else had them. And they were the place to go get the Star Wars figures that no other store had. Oh, nobody would think of them. Yeah. Oh yeah, no doubt. Place was awesome. It was so. It was great. I grew up in Humboldt, Tennessee, little small rinky dink town. Of course, we had Jackson up the street. And of course, service merchandise was kind of like that for us. Okay. Yeah, and that's where my mom got my sister's Cabbage Patch doll that Christmas, where they were like exploding that first year. I remember the uh, Freds in my hometown. Uh, uh, that's where actually I got a lot of my comics at times. You remember the, uh, I'm going to segue a little to Transformers. Remember that six-gun Transformer, the one that could transform to six things? Yes. I remember they had one there like a year after the cartoon itself had ended, and they had it there for like six months. And I finally bought the thing, and I paid like <laughs> eight. I paid like $4 for it, and it was like regular price, like 30 <laughs> And I got a, uh, I remember, uh, was it? Christmas of 87 or 88, my, for some reason, my mom had to go up to the furniture store in, my, in our town, People's, and I w- went there, and I was like, and I saw the Holy Grail. Well, okay, I'm sorry. Not the Holy Grail, more like the Holy Chalice of uh, G.I. Joe toys. Wasn't the flag. It was the Terror Dome. Oh, my. They had a they had ordered a Terror Dome for a kid, and the kid just returned it. Didn't uh, He had... They just uh, didn't want it. I was like, I'll buy it. Okay, how much? 30 Here. Gave them all my Christmas money. <laughs> yeah. So I had a pterodome. And, of course, I never could get that. That thing was took me hours to put together. I, I never got any of the bases. I never I never had a, I never had the pit. Never That's the only one I ever had, yeah. Um, never had the flag, um, the USS flag. And, and as, we all, as we all know, the kid that had the USS flag had the parents that never paid attention to him. So to make up for it, they got the flag. <laughs> Do you have bro- you have brothers and sisters, right? I have one younger brother who is seal. Actually, shoot, he's he's seventeen. Holy crap! <laughs> That's a big. Deal. That doesn't count. <laughs> no. But- Most of those kids that I know that had the flag or had all those big toys, they were only children, oh. or they, or they were like your brother would be. They were like, oh, they were them the. Okay, the the kids are going out to college. Oops. <laughs> okay i guess we'll have to give him everything so yeah. he stays away from us so oh. those are also the kid those are also the kids who had the nintendo the year it came out yeah. while the rest of us were stuck playing atari 2600 hey, hey man i had coleco vision are we bitter no I'm no, not, no I'm we're not, not no we're not bitter we just wanted to we just went over to those kids house and play their nintendo play the living crap out of contra and all that oh yeah man we we played we would go over before um, we got I, I got my Nintendo or my cousin got his Nintendo. We would go over a friend's house and just play over at their house as we play Tech Mobile and we would just play with the Raiders. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, Jay Shra- was it the Raiders or was no, I would play with the Colts and I would play as Eric Dickerson and this was before the NFL PA um, hopped on Tecmo and they had to take Dickerson out and they replaced him with Albert Bentley. Oh yeah, that was the crap that just Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't even want to go into why that made the uh, Tecmo Super Bowl suck. You didn't like Tecmo Super Bowl? Oh, I love Super Bowl, except for the fact that the uh, Colts were by far the worst team in that game by a str- long stretch. Oh, no. I tell you what made me mad. When I play as the Eagles, and it didn't say Randall Cunningham, it said QB Eagles, fastest quarterback in the game. Oh, man. And, well, that's... Part and that's because uh, Randall had opted out of the NFLPA license agreement. That's why all those oh. NBA live games didn't have Charles and uh, Shaq went for a little while and didn't have uh, Michael. Oh, I did not know that. 
Yeah, if you opt out, of, you can. And uh, if you notice, Barry Bonds was not in any MLB games for a long time because they opted out of the uh, MLBPA license agreements. Yeah, and uh, oh, there's a couple of players too in baseball uh, that also, if you had, if you weren't part of the MLBPA, you couldn't be in there. So if you had ever crossed a line for sh- strikes, back like a couple guys did back in '95, you couldn't be in. You wouldn't get any license revenue, so you couldn't be in a game. Wow, that that's I actually what. Yeah, that's why uh, there's a guy, a former NFL, a former collegiate player. A couple of them are bringing a lawsuit against EA. Because they're saying basically, okay, yeah, QB seven for Oklahoma Sooners. Yes, I know it's not his number. Yeah, we all know it's Sam Bradford. Uh, so we're going to sue you, even though we're going to sue because they're making money off of the players and everything. And it's like, and they're saying EA doesn't do any real checking to make sure you can't get uh, rosters for things. I mean, I I play college football ten. I have the I found somebody's roster that's got everybody named on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the EA is getting sued by a couple of people for that, and they've got a good shot at winning it. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. Well, here's the whole thing about that, though, too. Even if they, quote, unquote, try to sue them, yeah. it, it doesn't stop any of us from plugging in roster names anyway. True, but they're also – it's mostly how EA and the NCAA are not – they're basically making it the, per, the characters in real life, and it's making money off likenesses. We're, I don't even want it. That's a that's a topic for yet another podcast on how the NCAA rapes the athletes that it has. So <laughs> no, no, you no. work for a university. I work. I live and work near a university, so mm. we can. That's a long story. Oh, very long, very very long story. Yeah, extremely long. I just remember. Here's the here's the breakdown. We went back to the back to the old school Nintendo. Yeah, because we all know Tecmo Super Bowl was the game that revolutionized football. Because uh, mm-hmm. like that was the first that was the first football game where you had stats. Um, that was the first football game where players had different fatigue levels and different health levels. Players could get injured and be on the IR. That was a fantastic game. What's funny about it is here's the whole thing. My parents were divorced, um, so I would Same. go I would go see my dad like uh, once once every other week. My dad had got me a uh, Sega Master System. So I had Sega Master System, and over my, my mom's house, I had a Nintendo. Don't get me wrong. I like the Sega Master System, but the Sega Master System's uh, sports games were terrible. Absolutely yeah. terrible. Nintendo had the actual cool sports games like Tecmo Super Bowl. Tecmo Super Bowl, Baseball Stars. Love Baseball Stars. To this day, I bet you that cartridge on eBay still sells for, for good coin. But I just remember over my dad's house playing Choplifter and Walter Payton football. There was one football game that was good. It was Walter Payton football. No pro player names. It just had Walter Payton's name on the front of it. You had these massive playbooks. I just ran the option. (laughs) I was the only pro team that ran the option, and we won championships year in and year out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember uh, there was a play-action football. when it. I'll agree with you completely on uh, – on the NES mm-hmm. being better than uh, Genesis. The only thing that made the Genesis games better than Super Nintendo, at least off the jump, was that they actually went out and they signed and got those player licenses. Oh, no. You know, the Genesis sports games were cooler than the Sega Master System games. No question. I mean, you know, for that being, you know, the Genesis being 16-bit, whereas the uh, Master System was 8-bit. But oh. when it came Super Nintendo versus Genesis... For a while, when the only sport football games we had out for the Super Nintendo were Super Play Action Sucky Football. Oh, that was awful. Oh, God. But, it, but you had college and you had pro, but the colleges weren't real colleges. Mm-mm. And you also, even though the players were similar, and you had Tecmo's Super Tecmo Bowl, mm-hmm. which for those which was great because you could change your uh, play, you could change your players. Mm-hmm. You could change, you had more than the uh, eight plays. But it was some horrible gameplay. Yeah. Yeah. And then seeing during that period of time, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, the Genesis had the better sports games because they had – Genesis had Sport Talk Baseball. Joe Montana football. Yes. And all the variations of Joe Montana football got better and better as time went along and to the point to where they flipped it and they started calling it uh, NFL 95. Montana was a chief by then. So they just called it NFL 95 featuring Joe Montana, and they had all the player names – and like you know, all the ratings and stuff like that, and it, yep. 
and it was a really good football game. Yeah, the only thing that made that was the big thing difference between Madden '95 and NFL, and uh, on each system was because the Madden '95 on Genesis had the player names. Yeah. Oh, Which yeah. is great when you were like me and you played with the Falcons and hey look Dion Sanders yes <laughs> I can throw to Dion I can catch with Dion oh yeah and see and even then it was around that time that Madden started keeping stats you were able weren't you able to start keeping stats with Madden with Madden ninety five two oh okay it was Madden ninety two okay all the way back in like Madden ninety two ninety three they kept stats but ninety three I think was the first year where you didn't have the players huddle and oh. then ninety ninety four was some horrible garbage on the Super Nintendo. I mean, put it in perspective, that was one of the first years they had all the historic teams and everything. But this could tell you how much of a garbage and easy that game was. I used to play it on all Madden level using the 90, yeah, that 80, yeah, like the 89 Niners. I was playing an all-time tournament. I was playing the, uh, whatever the center field, or whatever the uh, free safety for the uh, Vikings in the 70s. I threw like eight interceptions to him in that game, and I still won 21 to 12. <laughs> In a five-minute quarter game, it's like any game where you can throw eight interceptions and still win, yeah. you know, some garbage. Yeah, that is garbage. That is and hot then, garbage. And then the greatest year of sports games ever with the 95 releases, the 94-95 releases, NBA Live 95, Madden 95, and NHL 95. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a nice year for EA. But here's the other thing. Sega had NBA action, which was pretty good. Yeah, it was a good one. And NFL 95 was cool. Because I, because I, I'll admit, I played NFL '95 more than I played Madden '95 for a couple reasons. Full rosters, just like Madden, but I liked the gameplay on NFL '95 more than I did Madden '95. Although Madden '95 was cool, I had the version of NFL '95 where players could smack talk. <laughs> that does make a difference because you could push a button and like players would be like, "You suck," or they would just start talking. They would start talking garbage, and I'm like, "This is off the chain." But then parent groups said that that's not nice and it's not polite and that teaches kids bad manners and, and, and bad sportsmanship. So they took it off. The, they took that version off the market and then they, they just took that feature off completely. I, I still wish I had that game to this day, but I'm, I'm sure probably somebody has an emulator for it by now. Oh, those were the that was, ah, man. That game was so much fun. And see, that was also during a period of time. I like the fact that you could have like up to four, five, maybe even six companies make a sports game using either both the NFL license and the NFL PA license or one or the other. Half were bad, half were good, you know, half were great. Half were just crappy, shitty games, and the other half were great. And I like that because it kept competition. It kept that competitive rate going between companies. And because you could always tell the, the games that were crappy, the people that just said, you know what, we got this licensing. We, we know we can get X amount of sales. This game sucks, but we're going to make X amount of dollars off of it. And those went away quickly because people stopped buying them after the first wave. Yeah. Those games tended to be one of either two types. They either tended to be really arcade-oriented, in which case you could score, do a ton of crap with it, or the gameplay was so hard, you were like, can I score? Please? (laughs) Yes. Please, can I score? Just once? No question. No question. playing old-school John John Elway football without the uh, cheat code. Oh, that's no. Oh, I remember John. See, I remember John Elway's John El, John uh, John Elway's quarterback. I only played that in the arcade because the versions on NES and any other console were just awful. Yeah, they were awful. I loved John Elway's quarterback in the arcade because you had that. Was it the analog button? The, I'm not analog button, but the analog uh, joystick where you could like fling passes. You could like if you pulled it back lightly, it was a soft pass. But if you just pulled that thing all the way back and let it go, it threw a bullet. Yeah, that was that was great. I tried to play that on NES, and I literally just gave up. Yeah, if you didn't have the cheat code, you couldn't do anything in that game. Mm-mm. Oh, it was it was god awful. And the cheat code for those of you who don't know, basically, you put in a code and you, your quarterback a hundred times faster than everybody, so you could run around and. Basically, just run around the end, just and then you could score without even trying. You literally could run up and down the field repeatedly and not get tackled. I miss having or seeing the the arcade game, the arcade areas in like stores like Sears. We had it. We had them in J.C. Penney. We had when the Dayton Mall was prominent in Dayton, Ohio. There was a separate arcade, and then the J.C. Penney in the '80s. They had their own arcade too. Now, granted, let's let's be completely real. I mean, the the gameplay and graphics play on home consoles nowadays is just sick. It's ridiculous. 
So why would a kid want to spend money at an arcade when they can do the same thing at home? But there's something about that arcade feel, you know, for our generation that not only is nostalgic, but it's just something that we that we grew up on and we were just accustomed to. So I don't think I don't think our generation could ever get tired of it. I mean, that's why Dave and Buster's does so well. It may not have all the all the consoles that it should have, in my opinion, but it still does well to this day. Well, then again, how many different versions of Silent Scope can you really have? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't need five versions of Silent Scope and how and like House of the Dead one, two, three, four, and five, and three different versions of Golden Tea. Yeah, it seemed, and and that's and that's my beef with the Dave and Buster's places. I mean, it's their business; they can do whatever they want. Yeah. But you know, I see the uh, they always have that one section, and I always find it, find it amazing when I go and when I go there. The one section that's always crowded is the old school section where they have the uh, combo players or the Galaga slash Miss Pac-Man player, the one machine that has literally 30 old school games on it from Robotron to the first Street Fighter. Um, oh, yeah. And, you know, Root Beer Tapper and all that. One that has Quicks. Nobody remembers Quicks. Nobody plays Quicks. Those are always packed. Yep. You, you know. And it's even funnier if you go into your mall today and you go over to by the movie theater, if it has a movie theater, which is always where the arcade is. And if you ever just look at the games, none of them have, I, I guarantee you, unless they're a golden tee, none of them will have a manufactured date earlier, I mean, later than like 99 or 2000. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. I mean, the manufacturers aren't putting them out for a reason. They don't make money off of them, but... And if you notice back when we were kids, back in the eight and why do I feel like we're stuck and too old to grow up spin off here and not a <laughs> not a podcast for PKD media. Uh, you always had two kind of arcades in your mall. You had the one that was the separate one that was its own big, huge, loud one, and then you always had the one that was attached to another store. Mm-hmm. There was the shitty one. A lot of these because like when uh, the one at Jason the one that was next to Sears when I was a kid. Man, that was the great one. And then they opened up a real arcade in that mall. And the Sears one went to crap. <laughs> and it then turned into a uh, H&R Block. <laughs> wow. See, yeah. I remember I remember the um, the arcade that that we had. It just kept it, it just kept getting better. It kept getting bigger and better every single year. And then I want to say it was around the time during the uh I, w- I would have to say probably during it was during the GameCube Dreamcast era that it started to tail off 99 yes yeah, this is around 99 it just started to tail off because there's a period of time you could walk in and there was literally i mean there were games that like we never even seen anywhere else and you know even during vacations we would travel out of state there were games that we had never seen they used to have this uh, game where they took it was like a laser disc game where they took footage from oh, it was from a from like this uh one uh Oh, it was like this. It was basically a Japanese version of Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, because I have a copy. I have a bootleg copy of it on DVD because you can't find it anywhere. And they took the fight scenes of the spaceships flying, and literally, you were in this cockpit and you were shooting at the ships, and like the cockpit would spin around on an entire three sixty. I never saw that game anywhere else but there. This was during a period of time where Sega had a bunch of either shoot 'em up games or games where you had to hop in the cockpit and it was like a 360 game and three, 360 degree game and like literally the cockpit would spin 360 degrees and the game would be like, you know, huge. They had a ton of those games during that period of time. Plenty of those. Atari made a minor a minor comeback with Splatterhouse. Tato was big at that time too. They had their uh, Superman game where you could play as Superman Red or Superman Blue, and you didn't really do much of anything in that game except punch people and fly. But I couldn't stop playing it because it says Superman. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, oh yeah, that's when that that was the first time I played the regular Tecmo Bowl was in the arcade because it was that big two screen. I mean, it took two screens to put it together and all the players were real huge. And in order to break a tackle, you had to like constantly move the joystick back and forth. You could shake them off. Oh yeah. You had to do the little fight to get out, to get, to get them off. And then you could break that tackle and then go. Yeah. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. We have done a lot of reminiscing. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like, yeah, I feel like we, this almost might be syndicates to grow up now. Oh, (laughs) they're going to kill us. I know. I know. They're going to kill us. I just want to have one last thing, and I'm going to ask you about this. Did you uh, watch the WNBA playoffs last night, the final game? I caught the uh, part where, uh, was it Tarasi? She was giving, uh, 
giving the championship speech. Oh, so you actually uh, you watched more than I did then? Oh, so, you know we missed the. I'm like I didn't even know the game was on, and like wife and I were flipping through channels because we were playing uh, Xbox last night. And we're like, oh, they won. I didn't even okay. know. The, I didn't even know the playoffs even started. I I just remember looking and going, hey, WNB. I guess it's the playoff. I guess it's their championship or playoffs because it's getting awful late in the year. Which I that league only exists because David Stern needs a tax write off. Oh, see, here's my thing. I okay. I enjoy women's college basketball i really do i enjoy it sometimes i enjoy it more than men's college basketball but will you go but do you go to games do i go to women's college games um yeah we used to um because my wife used to uh be an assistant coach for a high school team that had players go to like a lot of d1a schools so we used to we used to go to a few college games that whole fleet of of players that she coached they're pretty much done with college so we just watch them on tv we just watch the games on tv now when they're on but as far as the WNBA goes, if they kept teams, see, okay, this is what I don't get. Stern is definitely trying to go big market with New York, Chicago, and all that stuff. Well, here's the thing. Instead of putting teams in constant big markets where they might not watch women's basketball, why don't you put those teams in areas where women's collegiate basketball is bigger than other sports? Yeah, because like, do they have a team in Connecticut? Yeah, they've that team plays at uh, Foxwoods. Okay, see that makes Fox, sense. Uh, Foxwoods, for those of you who don't know who are listening to this, is literally the biggest casino in the U.S. Really? Have you ever? It, yeah, it is. Basically, it's almost as big as the Strip itself. It ha, it's it has a convention center on it that is where these women play. It is huge. Yeah. No idea. I had yeah. no idea. None whatsoever. Yeah, it, it's just it's one of those gigantic in the middle of nowhere casinos in Connecticut. Yeah, I mean, why is there no team in I don't know Knoxville? Yeah. Why is there no team down in Lubbock, Texas? Mm-hmm. I mean, well, I mean they they've got the teams in Houston, but yeah. Oh no, it's, or better yet, a team in Oklahoma. Women's ba- yeah. women's women's collegiate basketball in Oklahoma is a big deal. Yeah. You, you you know, uh, see that's what I don't get. I would put team if you know I would put teams put teams where you know people love and adore women's basketball otherwise there's no purpose none whatsoever well the main reason he did it was because basically i think it was because he could it gave the team owners and the arena people a cheap something they could do in the middle of the summer and it also gave them i think he probably negotiated lower rates for the regular uh season for the basketball teams it's like hey look you do the WNBA, give us a low we'll give you dates in the summer you give us a lower rate during the fall yeah no that and that makes perfect sense it 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 makes absolutely perfect sense i just it just uh, there's something about it that just doesn't sit right with me i mean i understand the short season that's absolutely fine that's cool and no issues with that but it needs to be in different areas you know, it's yeah. it's not like it's it's not like the uh, W the World Football League that came out in the late eighties early nineties. It's not like the XFL. That's football. It's a whole different beast. It's a whole different game. You could put teams pretty much anywhere. Speaking of football, yeah. did you watch the uh, UFL premiere? I watched the last couple of minutes of it and watched Jim Fossil not know how to coach again. <laughs> I watched the second quarter on the UFL website because we don't have verses in our neighborhood. Yeah. Um, it was nice seeing D.D. Dorsey. It was nice seeing Marcel Ship actually know how to run a football because he couldn't do that in the NFL. Yeah. Um, I got to see uh, local uh, Kentucky favorite uh, Shane Boyd uh, th- throw some footballs. I like it. I hope it continues to grow. I hope they. I, I hope they change up them uniforms. I do not like the I uniforms. Some garbage. Yeah, the uniforms are terrible. But I know like this year they only have four teams, and next year they're expanding to, expanding to six. The year yeah. after that, though, here's the deal. I think what they're waiting for is not next season, but the season afterwards. Isn't like the NFL labor agreement supposed to uh, – when is NFL – there's some type of NFL labor agreement or something that – 2010. Yeah. They're waiting to see – I think what they're really waiting to see is, is how this labor agreement pans out. And if that's the case, they want to try to lure players over to the NFL because they'll have – supposedly this league will have even more money to pull NFL players in. But at the yeah. same at the same time, they've they've already said that this league is not meant to compete with the NFL. It's meant to be a feeder system for the NFL. Yeah, they've said they want to be an NBA deal. But you know what? If you guys want to play, we got a league for you to play in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I do like it though. I just hope once again it expands, puts teams in areas that can support it. Yeah, 
you, you know, so. I mean, you're one, but you know what? You're one of the very few people I know that say they like it because it's more fundamentally sound and everything with women's basketball and it's good and everything. And then actually goes to games or actually watches the regular season games because I know people who say that, that mm-hmm. they're fans of uh, women's, that they like women's basketball better because it's more fundamentally sound and all this, but they don't watch it. Oh, oh, yeah. They don't support it. They don't do anything. And it's like, shut up. You mm-hmm. say that, but it's not true. Oh, no. Dude, if it, I'm for real. If it wasn't for my wife, I, I would have never watched any women's, women's basketball, any at all. And I started watching. I'm like, you know, this is actually pretty good. I could, and I couldn't, I couldn't knock it. I could not knock it at all. So I'm like, yeah, this is good. I'm not going to knock it anymore. So yeah, so yeah, and stuff like that. It's got to put my money where my mouth is. Yeah, I don't knock it because I don't watch it. I don't. I mean, it's it's not my thing. Right. I I like it when I'm watching basketball. I like a little more explosion in my game. Mm-hmm. Oh no, no doubt, no doubt. I feel you. And like I said, it's nothing against men's men's collegiate basketball. It's nothing against the NBA because I still watch that. But basketball on a whole, I don't watch near enough as compared to the NFL. Well, I mean, it's kind of like the people who complain who say that they love fundamental basketball, but they won't watch a an America East men's basketball game on when it or a uh, Patriot League basketball game when it's on on like a Sunday or whatever it's like mm-hmm. no you don't you 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 like the big names and everything shut your mouth you, you don't really mean what you say exactly and that concludes this week's episode of the PKD Black Box make sure you come back next week where myself and Donnie Salvo will be talking about some of our favorite comics from our childhood and then the week after that myself and John Carroll will be talking with Independent comic creators, Lynn Workman of Bushy Tales, and Martheus Wade of Jetta Tales of the Toshigawa. Only here at the PKD Black Box. Once again, the PKD Black Box has been brought to you today by MyDigitalComics.com. You can get some of your favorite PKD media comic books on the digital tip at MyDigitalComics.com. Downloadable PDFs, non-DRM, you can transfer them to any computer. You can get PKD Media Presents, Volume 1, Mercury and the Murd. You can get Wasted Wonderland. And there are also additional comics from other independent publishers with a growing catalog on a weekly basis. MyDigitalComics.com. Check them out. Until then, I will see you next week. Also know you can go to PKDMedia.com, read many of our comics for free, You can also check out our forum boards if you go to pkdmedia.com. You can see our episode list for the black box at pkdmedia.com. We have material on our website seven days a week, including uh, comics such as Mercury and the Murd, XO1, The Rock Solid Steelbots, Agents of Cult. We also have the PKD Media Spotlight, shining the light on independent artists, independent writers, comics, podcasts, and we also have the original The Gang from the Store, an original webcomic created by Luke Foster of Moon Freight 3 fame. PKDmedia.com. Check us out. Until then, peace and good times and dream big and hustle hard.